0: What's
1: going on everybody and welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast. I am your host Matthew Brun you can follow me at SportsFanaticMB. Joining me today, the usuals for the Thursday, Dennis Bennett at Culture underscore Coach, Matthew Fox who you can follow at Nighthawk7734, and Mr. Tony Dyer who you can follow at CommissionerMR. For today's episode, we were privileged enough to be joined by the Ohio State Buckeye legend and one of the greatest running backs to ever play college football, Archie Griffin, Winner of two, two Heismans, two Heismans, the only football player to ever do that. Still leads the Buckeyes in rushing yards. He was extremely cool, really fun to talk to. We will have his interview up here first. After that, we will talk a little bit of fantasy with you guys, talking about the Dalvin Cook possible holdout. Gets quite heated talking about Mr. Cook. And then we talk about the preseason games and the possible shortening for the 2020 season. (laughs) and we are live on facebook twitter twitch and youtube got the usual crew here dennis tony and matt they're on the bottom and we are joined by a special guest i am going to do my best to not freak out too much uh we've got (laughs) the best running back to ever play college football and in the uh the great history of the ohio state buckeyes archie griffin himself thank you so much for taking time out of your day to join us how are you doing today
2: I'm doing fine, Matt. It's a pleasure to join you guys, and I've uh, been looking forward to this.
1: As are we. So I mentioned you are a huge uh, – you have a huge connection, obviously, to the Ohio State Buckeyes. Went into two Heismans there. Again, one of the best running backs – I would say the best running back to ever play there and in college football. And as an Ohio State fan, I feel like we kind of take for granted how successful the program has been uh, here the past couple of years, where that really kind of started with with you and Coach Woody Hayes. And I know you've got a great – a lot of great stories about coach Woody Hayes. What was it like playing for him?
2: Well, it was great playing for him, but uh, it didn't start when I, when I came to Ohio state, it started well before that as well. When you look back, you go back to the hop Cassidy years back in the fifties. I mean, uh, those were great times. And hop Cassidy was a hiding trophy winner and he played on some great teams and they did some wonderful things. Then you look at the uh, uh, 68 team that uh, won a national championship with uh, Rex Kern and and Jim Otis and John Brockington and Jack was, Tatum, and all the those super guys. sophomores I mean, there. Was there great right. great teams before I got there, but I was, I'm happy that I had the opportunity to go to Ohio State University and play on some great teams and play for Coach Woody Hayes. Woody Hayes was a great coach, uh, no doubt about it. I mean, in my mind, uh, he was just like a father to me, I and mean, he's a guy who I think about uh, every day, and I think about him every day, just because there's something that he may have said during the time that I played for him during the time that I was around him that was pertinent to today. I mean, things like that just uh, come up all the time, and and he comes to mind on a lot of different situations. And uh, uh, what I really liked about him and why I really liked playing for him was because uh, he was a guy who really, really got excited uh, about football games, and he got excited about his players, and he wanted to make sure that we were the best that we could possibly be. Uh, He was a guy who really, really – uh, cared for people. And, and, and that's what I appreciated most about him. You know, a lot of people thought of Coach Hayes as being rough and rough and tough. But uh he was a guy who really, really cared a lot about people. He wanted to see you be successful, not just in the game of football, but uh, academically uh in, in life. Uh And uh, he always wanted to make sure that uh, he would make a positive impression on you. And one of the things that he did for me was uh, he always talked about paying forward. And a lot of people hear about uh, paying forward to this day. But Woody Hayes started that. He talked about paying forward way back in the 70s. Every year that I played for him, he talked about paying forward. And he just didn't talk about it. Uh, He did it uh, because he got out in the community and did things to to help other people. And he certainly encouraged all of us who played for him uh, to do the same thing. And I think that's one of the reasons that you'll find a lot of guys who had the opportunity to play for Coach Hayes are doing great works uh, in their communities.
3: Yeah, you know Woody is is such a legend in in college football in Central Ohio. So what yes, are some? I lost
2: your volume. I can't hear you for some reason.
1: Uh, he said. Uh, Woody Hayes is a uh, very well known in, in Ohio. He's a, a legendary figure in in Central Ohio.
3: So what what are if yes, you had he to if, if you had to impart one lesson onto. Uh, young people today that Woody taught you, what would that be?
1: Oh, could you could you still not hear him?
2: I I can't hear Dennis, but I'm gonna push. Oh, go ahead now, Dennis. See if I can hear you.
3: Can you can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Hang I on, let me try
1: really quick. Let me see. Try that, Dennis. See if you he can hear you now.
3: Can you now, Archie? Still no.
1: Can you hear me, no, Matt? I can hear you. He, nope. uh, Dennis asked, "What, uh, <laughs> what is one uh, of the best lessons that uh, Woody has uh, passed on to you? What you can you share, like a lesson that you could show uh, other people now? Something that you learned from him?"
2: Well, the one that uh, stands out of my mind is when talked about it, you have to pay forward, uh, because uh, it's important for us as human beings to do things uh, to help others. Uh, Woody got it from Ralph Waldo Emerson's essay on compensation, where he talked about uh, you know. For doing things to help others, and Woody just passed that all on to us. And I know that uh, the players who played for him, like myself, are doing the same thing uh, in, in the communities and in the places that they work. Uh, those type of things. But that's the lesson that really, really uh, stuck with me. Uh, the work about the lesson about hard work, uh, being the best you can be. I mean, uh, that's automatic. And uh, Woody certainly taught all of us that. Uh, but that lesson that really sticks out in my mind. Is uh, paying forward, helping other people, uh, being uh, able to give, and and and, and making sure that uh, you're impacting somebody else's life.
1: I have to imagine that playing in the Horseshoe has got to be one of the greatest experiences you you've ever had. What is it like playing there? Being a player and being as good as you were. Like, what is it like being there? All those fans. I have yet to be able to see a game at the Horseshoe, which I hope. Oh to man. Be- I know, I know, but what's that experience like? I know. Trust me, it's it's a wonderful
2: experience. And uh, you know, I I uh, grew up here in Columbus, and and uh, uh, when I was young uh, in junior high school, middle school, uh, I didn't live too far from the stadium. I lived out in the Linden area, and so I remember we used used to uh, uh, come over to the stadium and and uh, try to sneak in the games at times. And uh, sometimes we were successful, sometimes we weren't. Uh, but uh, ever since then, you know, I've been a staunch uh, Ohio State uh, Buckeye fan. And uh, when I got the opportunity to go to Ohio State, uh, I, I couldn't pass that up. Uh, my mother and father uh, certainly wanted uh, me to go to Ohio State. And one of the reasons they wanted me to go to Ohio State was because they'd be able to see me play. And uh, one of the reasons I went to Ohio State because I wanted them to see me play. Uh, But Ohio State has uh, been a great, great uh, program for years and years, and uh, having uh, been a part of that and being able to play in that stadium uh, has been very, very special. And One of the things that I always think about during my time uh, at Ohio State is that uh, we were very fortunate that that class that came in in the uh, fall of 1972, uh, it was only about 17 of us. It wasn't a big class at all, but we never lost a game uh, in Ohio Stadium. And I think that's very special. And I think that's one of the reasons that the fans are so fond of, of that team uh, during that, that time, uh, because they never saw us lose uh, in Ohio Stadium. Uh, we had a great uh, uh, time at Ohio State. We went 40, had 40 wins, had uh, five losses in one tie. Uh, but we never lost in Ohio Stadium. And that's something that uh, all of us are extremely
1: proud of. I can imagine. How great is it to be? take it to Michigan every single year. Like how great does that feel? Hey.
2: It's it's a wonderful feeling. Wonderful feeling to uh to beat Michigan every year. We didn't we didn't beat them every year. We had a tie with them one year. In uh-huh. 1973, it was a 10-10 tie. As a matter of fact, uh, uh the Big 10 network uh, did a uh a, uh a show on that tie. Uh, it was called the Tiebreaker. And uh being on that show uh there were teammates of mine and and guys from the Michigan team that uh, were on that 73 team. And we were having dinner together and talking about uh, the game. Well, if you watch that show, you'll know that those guys are still upset today because when they had the vote to see who would go to the Rose Bowl, uh, the Buckeyes went to the Rose Bowl. And that team up north didn't go again. And they were really, really upset about that fact to this day.
1: Yeah, I feel and like that's I just—I right. feel like I committed a cardinal sin by by actually saying the team name too. So now I feel bad about that. But I actually I, I need to watch that. I watched. I don't know if you've seen the the documentary they did mostly about Woody Hayes and kind of the rivalry that became of the team up north in Ohio State. I think it's on HBO called The Game, which is obviously the name of the rivalry. Is it's a very interesting uh, watch indeed. So you are the only player in college football history to win two Heisman trophies. Doesn't seem like anybody's ever come close or possibly ever will. How we hear the cliched answer from athletes that we always want our uh, records to be broken. I imagine that's something that's going to be really cool for you to hold on to for probably forever.
2: Well, I, Matt, I, I you know I, I would never say forever. Uh, matter of fact, I thought by now uh, that somebody would have won too. You know, the way I look at it is I won two, so I know there's somebody else out there who's going to win it again. Uh, but uh, when I when I think of of that record, it just reminds me uh, of my teams and the teams that I played on. You know, I always feel that uh, I was fortunate. Uh, I was in the right place at the right time with the right people uh, to make that happen. And when I talk about that, I talk about uh, having a coach like Woody Hayes and and the people who coached me in the backfield, and and also playing with the guys that I played with. Uh, I played with a super backfield, and 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 Pete Johnson and Cornelius Green and Brian Bashnagel. Uh, we had a wonderful time uh, playing at Ohio State behind those big lines that we played behind. Uh, guys like Big John Hicks, uh, Kurt Schumacher, uh, Doug France, uh, Steve Myers—you uh, know—all those guys that I named were all American. So you can see why uh, they were able to open up a lot of holes for us to run through. And uh, we just did our job, and and uh, we let the chips fall where they may. And uh, fortunately, uh, the Lord blessed me with uh, winning two of those Heisman trophies as a result
4: Archie you if if I can jump in here I can you hear me yes I can Uh, you had said that you thought for sure that somebody else would have done it by now is there a college player that you can think of that you would have thought for sure like if somebody was going to do it is there one guy that stands out in your mind as an as an elite college player that could have won two Heismans
2: well, when when you think about it, I got to think of all the Heisman winners that uh, that won it. Uh, uh, Tim Tebow, uh, he won it, uh, I think, as a uh, a sophomore. And uh, one of the reasons I think that somebody will win it twice is because uh, people are winning it as freshmen, as sophomores, and uh, they've got to stay around three years. So I figure that if they stay around uh, long enough, uh, they'll have that opportunity uh, to win again. But I thought Tim Tebow was one who uh, would uh, win it twice. Uh, He was one, but then there's some uh, uh, great running backs that played the game uh, that uh, I thought would uh, do it uh, as well. I mean, uh, when you look at all the great running backs that uh, played in the 70s and and 80s, uh, now it seems to be a quarterback award.
3: Yeah, I I thought Billy Sims might win it uh, after he won his first one. I thought he had a good chance, uh, but he didn't kind of pan out that senior year. Dennis, I still can't hear you.
2: Man, what is going he said, on? <laughs> he
4: said he thought that Billy Sims might win it a second time.
2: Uh, yeah, and he's one hes one that I thought uh, would uh, have won the award twice. I mean, Billy, um, you know, he came and played at Ohio State uh, back. Was that 77, I think, somewhere the, in there?
3: Was that the Uwe uh, Van and, Chamin uh, game? He was a
2: great running back, uh, not only in college, but also uh, professionally as well. Uh, so I mean, he he certainly had the talent uh, to do it, and a lot of those guys had the talent to do it. For some reason or other, it just hadn't happened. But I do think that somewhere along the line, that will have it.
1: All right. Well, since Dennis is, I don't know why his you can't get him. He wanted to. <laughs> sorry, he wanted Dennis. to ask. Uh, I'm sorry, still, Dennis. You still own the record for the most rushing yards at Ohio State, and I feel like it's the one of those records that will stand the test of time. Do you agree with that?
2: Um. Well, I, I tell you, I, 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 you know, I, I, w- I would agree with you mainly because I would say that it already stood the test of time. I mean, it's been uh, you know 45 years uh, since I left Ohio State playing uh, football, and I don't know how long you want to say the time is, but you know, 45 years is a pretty doggone long time. So even uh, if uh, somebody comes out and breaks it uh, next year or the year after, you know, it still stood uh, the test of time. Uh, so uh, yeah, it'll, 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 it'll stand test of time. But do I think somebody else gonna break? It? Yeah, somebody break that. Somebody break that. The only only problem you're having now is when I played at Ohio State, as we ran the ball a lot. Uh, they don't run the ball uh, as much as we ran it back then. And that's not saying that people aren't going to running backs aren't going to get the number of carries that I got because there will be running backs at Ohio State that gets – the number of carries that I got because people don't realize that, you know, people thought I ran the ball 30 times a game. I may have only run the ball 30 times a game once uh, or twice at the most. Uh So, uh, you know, there'll be other people that'll run the ball uh, more than I have run the ball, and they'll play more games than I played because they're playing more games uh, today than they were when I was playing. Dennis, did you, you want to uh,
1: see if did, I fixed it right
3: there? Did, can you hear me yet, Arch? ah Dennis I hear you now all right so other than yourself who who is your favorite Ohio State running back
2: oh man I got a lot of uh favorite running backs man you know I you know I, I look back and you, know, you you think about the guys uh after me one comes to mind that's uh, Keith Byers uh, certainly was a, a great, great running back at Ohio State, and it was great that uh, he was selected to be in the uh, College Football Hall of Fame. Will be inducted uh, this year. Uh, everybody remembers him for that Illinois game uh, where he uh, ran. I don't know, was it a 70, 80 yard touchdown with one shoe on? Yeah. Uh, but he was terrific, <laughs> terrific uh, uh, running back. Uh, then you certainly Eddie George, and, and, and Eddie was fabulous. I mean. You know, Eddie Eddie had it all going for him. I mean, his high speed, I mean everything. Uh then the one a guy that, that people don't talk about butts is a guy uh that uh, that uh I really, really love seeing him run the bottle house. With. And I, I don't know if you guys remember him or not. Uh but uh Carlos Snow. You guys remember Carlos Snow?
3: Out of the he's Cincinnati Academy of Physical Yes, right. Kate, uh,
2: Kate. Education, yeah. Yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah. uh, he he's twenty five. That's right. He was he was uh, one of my favorite uh, uh, running backs, uh, and I can go on down the line. Tim Spencer, I mean, uh, fabulous running back. We we've got a great history uh, of running backs in the and the recent guys, uh, uh, Elliott uh, and 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 Dobbins, and I mean, just going down the line, we've had a great group of running backs, and uh, Ohio State can be extremely proud of the running backs that that uh, come through. Our university.
3: So back in '75, Archie, when you were going for Heisman number two, at, at any point did you tap Woody on the shoulder and say, "Hey, Coach, it's only one more yard. Don't give the ball to Pete. Give the ball to me." <laughs> I mean, he <you> had 25 <laughs> touchdowns no, that I mean, season.
2: I, I, we, well, you know, we we, we had our roles. Uh, we had our roles. Pete Pete led the country scoring uh, for two straight years, and and before that. Champ Henson, who was the fullback, he led the country in scoring uh, because they were the guys that were going to get the ball when we were in short yardage or when we uh, were on the goal line. Uh, They were going to get the ball. Woody had uh, uh, this formation called Robust, and it was uh, a a T formation. Uh, The fullback would line up in the middle, and uh, myself and Brian Bashnick would line up on the sides of the fullback at the halfbacks. Well, our job was to block and get the fullback uh, into the end zone. And uh, we had some great fullbacks, and they they got into the end zone quite a bit. Now, my job was to run the ball uh, up and down the field, and and then when uh, we got in short yardage or, or goal line the situation, camera. big big Pete was going to score, or Champ Hitzel was going to score, whoever was playing in the fullback position was going to score, and that's just the way it was, and that's how his offense uh, ran, and and you know I was happy with it because I had a, I had a big role in it. Uh, Pete had a big role in it. Brian Bashnego had a big role in it. And uh, that's one of the reasons I think that our backfield was so good uh, because we had those guys with a quarterback like Cornelius Green who was uh, magical with the football running the option. I mean, it was really hard to stop.
1: One of the things you hear a lot of uh, players talk about when they first go into college football is the speed of the game changes from high school to, say, your freshman year. How long did it take you to kind of get adjusted to the speed of the game when you started playing?
2: You know, that's a a great question. But uh, in reality, I don't care what level you play at. That speed of game is going to change when you jump to that next level. Because when I went from Little League uh, uh, to high school, speed changed. When I jumped from uh, high school going into Ohio State University, no question about it, uh, the speed of the game changed and the field got uh, a lot smaller because of the speed of the game. And then when I left uh, Ohio State and went into professional football, uh, the speed changed again. The field got even smaller. Uh, and as far as how long did it take me to adapt to that, uh, it, it didn't take uh, that long uh, to adapt to it because, you know, I was playing with guys who were faster and uh, they were part of the reason uh, that uh, the, the speed changed and and that the field got smaller is because uh, of, of their speed. And I had to just make sure that uh, I was keeping myself in great enough shape that, uh, that I could uh, match their speed so that I could keep up.
3: Well, that's awesome. I, I, I know that uh, we only have you for a limited time, Archie. Uh, so anything you want to say before we let you go?
2: Well, I, you know, I, I uh, appreciate you guys having me. You know, the game of football is a great game. Uh, it's a game that I learned uh, so many uh, lessons from, you know, the will to win, uh, being able to cope with pressure, getting along in team situations, all which are, are very, very important. But that one lesson that I learned from the game, is that you get up after you get knocked down. And that's so important to life. And so if I could pass anything on to anybody about the game, is that uh, you learn some valuable lessons from the game uh, that I had the uh, opportunity to play uh, that game of football. So uh, I'll always uh, appreciate that. I'll know that it'll always uh, uh, be something that's made a big difference in my life. So again, I thank you guys for allowing me to come on and share with you.
3: Well, it's been our pleasure, and and perseverance is certainly a trait uh, I think that all of us will try to develop in our children. It's uh, one of the main keys yeah. to success.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, and in these times that we're in right now, it's so very, very important. So let's keep that in mind as well.
3: Definitely. Right. Thank Definitely. you so much, Archie. Thanks. Thanks.
2: Thank you, Archie. Well, thank you, guys. Appreciate thank it. Thank you, Archie. Take care. Yeah.
1: Bye-bye. See Go Buck. Go Buck. <laughs> all right. All right. Well. All
3: right. I didn't think I had a bucket list, but I think I just have something to check <laughs> off it. Yeah, that's cool. That's definitely cool.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm still kind of geeking out right now. So does anybody else want to talk about something? Give me a minute to catch my breath. we you know. I want,
4: to, I want to talk about Dalvin Cook. I want to talk about Dalvin yeah. Cook's holdout. Go and ahead. I I I feel like, and maybe you guys can help me with this. I feel like Dalvin Cook has positioned himself perfectly to have a holdout. I mean. Ever since, what was the first one? Was Le'Veon Bell the first holdout? Is that the first time this ever happened, really?
5: Well, he skipped a whole season, and then uh, Zeke obviously held out a little bit last year.
4: But was Bell the first?
5: In the history of time, Emmett Smith? No, no, no,
4: okay. okay, okay Emmett Smith, I'm listening. I'm listening. I'm not talking. Go ahead.
5: No, I mean, Emmett Smith held out. That he actually let the Cowboys start the season. They lost a couple of games, and Jerry Jones buckled like a
3: Cheap suit, he did. He wrote a fat check and
5: was like, Okay, a fat check. So, uh, but th- I feel like that was in an era where running backs had more leverage. I'm not sure this is going to be great for Dalvin Cook, especially considering they changed the CBA and the team can't reverse the fines if they decide to fine him, which means, you know,
4: I, I was under a different impression, I was under the impression that they could reverse the fines.
5: No, maybe I should relook at that's that. That's the change. They yeah. no longer will the fines be okay. undone. Yeah. Okay, that I'll was they, the, look at the that. CBA uh-huh. makes it more punitive for missing yeah. a mandatory offseason things. In the my new biggest contract. argument
4: for a Dalvin Cook holdout is looking at the 2021 free agent class. I mean, Derrick Henry, Alvin Kamara, Cook, uh, Aaron Jones is a free agent, Marlon max, a free agent. Dalvin cooks in a position, I think where I think it's fair for him to ask for a contract extension. And, and I think if he waits, if he waited till the end of the year, I feel like Dalvin cooks in a position where there would be so much competition against him that he wouldn't have any more leverage. I mean, let's say that, let's say that Tennessee doesn't sign Derrick Henry to a deal. Let's say Derrick Henry is released to be a free agent. Minnesota's going to look at Derrick Henry. Is that wrong?
1: I don't think they bring in Derrick Henry. I think they bring in Dalvin Cook. So here is the one thing I was going to okay. say about the, the Dalvin Cook thing. I, I think is a little bit different. Derrick Henry and Zeke both, have come, or Zeke came out beforehand, and uh, Derrick Henry has now come out and said that he wants to uh, set the market right. Like Derrick Henry wants, he said, I think the he wants a Zeke contract or the Zeke contracts a start is what.
3: Yeah, he said. Zeke's contract is Whoa. his floor. Yeah, I didn't see that. That's a problem. Uh, that's a huge problem. Cook well, everybody laughed when he said it. So yeah. that's a problem.
1: Cook has come out to that he doesn't want that. He just wants to get paid due to the way that he is produced on the field. Now, granted, he right. has also been hurt for a one lot season. Yeah. So he's not asking for Zeke or Henry money, which is why I he actually can't. think that he might get paid. Well, I, I think
4: he will get paid. I do think he will get paid. Is-
1: he, he's being more realistic than I can't say Zeke wasn't being realistic. I think he asked for his contract too early, but he was when he was on the field, he proved he was one of the most productive running backs on in the game. Right. Derrick Henry, while he was great last year, he really wasn't good except for like the last four games of two seasons before that. He was really good toward the end of the end of the season, did nothing at the beginning of the season. Now last year he proved a lot of us wrong that didn't believe in him. And he had a great season overall. Dalvin cook went on the field. Is one of the most productive and explosive running backs there. That's the problem, though. He's not always on the field. Minnesota, the one thing I re- reason I think they will pay him something is Mike Zimmer's fired offensive coordinator because he ha- they haven't run the ball enough. They're built around their running game, not around Cap- Captain Clutch, Captain Kirk. So I do think that they're going to end up paying Cook something. Maybe it's only a one year deal, like Matt just said, or maybe it's some kind of long term deal. I think they've got 20 if I remember correctly somewhere a little over 20 million in cap space right now. They have 11.5
5: million. 11, okay, cap
1: 11.5. Space. God, I don't know where I heard that at then. 11.5. But 11.5 in cap space. So if they can work out some kind of long-term deal that gets him paid, he, like he said he did not want to break the market. He said he just wants to get paid because he's actually making less than I don't, I don't even remember what it was. It's he's not
4: 1.3 million dollars. It's yeah. nothing. It's 1.35 million dollars. He's making no money.
1: When you look at it, and I' feel bad because I'm going to say this, and Matt's going to correct me with the right stat. But I feel like the stat, if I remember correctly I heard yesterday, was I don't remember the exact yardage, but he is right behind Christian McCaffrey in in yards like per attempt, per rush, all that stuff. He was way above everybody else, and the next was Derrick Henry, and I think I don't remember who was right after Derrick Henry, but it was CMC by a mile, and we all know that because of what he was able to do. But then it was Dalvin Cook, and then there was another separator for everybody else. So when he's healthy, he's proved that he can be a stud running back. Dennis, you want to add anything? You kind of were in and out there for a minute.
3: No. No, you guys pretty much covered Dalvin Cook. I think that a
4: $12 million a year deal is not crazy. I mean – I've got the dogs. I don't, I don't uh, know if you can hear I don't that. Know.
5: Yeah, I, I completely disagree for that kind of a position and for a guy who has had one good season in three. No. he has. To me, he has zero leverage. And in fact, if I was the team, I'd Melvin Gordon his ass. If you were the well, team, though. I'm not saying they won't. But, but here's the problem
4: Stefan Diggs is gone. Is Alexander Madison a better, is he a replacement to Dalvin Cook? I don't believe he is. I mean, I mean it, it, Boone, oh, he certainly replaced a level.
5: Missed, yeah, Dalvin Cook missed two games last year, and Mike Boone was the hottest waiver wire pickup and had
3: at least one incredible game, and one not, 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 not incredible game. Well, 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 that's it's Minnesota,
1: that so you gotta you gotta but, talk about Alexander Madison. Is like I just mentioned, though, they're a run first team, so he's gonna get the he's gonna get the work, but he's not Dalvin Cook like. I've seen, just in a league that I was in the other day, the the guy who actually owned Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison. So I want to get your guys' thoughts on this, because I actually thought it was a brilliant move on his part. So he owns Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison. He was offered a high, because this team is not very good, a high-end 2021 first for Alexander Madison. I told him to accept that deal before that person pulled it off the table. Because Alexander Madison is a... At best, average running back. I, I don't you think mean, he's yes. bring back anything for fantasy. And maybe they don't bring back Dalvin Cook. And maybe Alexander Madison is the running back for the Minnesota Vikings. I don't think he's gonna do anything better than maybe a running back too. If you the know, team wants,
5: yeah, you're, I- you're talking about like, like those two guys are their only option, free agents, Lamar Miller's still there, Devonta Freeman's still there. I mean, those guys are going to be willing to take a hell of a lot less than twelve million a year. Um, Miller, all maybe, you got I to do and put Freeman's not going to hold you up for yeah, million but he will There's no the market Buccaneers
1: for him. For, well, but they they he wanted, they wouldn't even take him to the Buccaneers because remember he said he, that Bruce Arians was like nah, he wants too much money. What makes him? Hey, why is he going to change his mind? Freeman, to to Minnesota.
4: Freeman's a good example. I remember my first episode with you guys. <clears throat> My very first episode, I praised Freeman. I was on the Devonta Freeman hype train. I'm willing to pound the table for him. And I was wrong. Like, okay, I'll take that. I was wrong there. Freeman's a good example, Fox. I mean, Freeman could take that job for a whole lot less money than Dalvin Cook. But here's, here's the reality of the situation. The, the, the general manager just came out and said how much they like Dalvin Cook how much they want to make a deal, how, how great he is on the field and how much better he is off the field, how he's so good for their organization. They've gotten rid of Stefan Diggs. Okay, they drafted a, a rookie wide receiver.
0: Honestly, but outside
4: of that, I mean, the, the, I, the 34% of their, pl- of their passing plays are play-action plays. that, that You're really completely the misreading
5: game. their offensive scheme. Who is their offensive coordinator? Gary Kubiak. Who did he study under? Mike Shanahan. What was Mike Shanahan's opinion of a running back? 100% replaceable. We went through this for years with Denver. My scheme is the star, not the player. Speaking of which, Gary Kubiak's best friend is John Owe. He can just get on the phone and say, hey, can you give us Royce Freeman for a a bag of lint? And that guy's (laughs) coming over. Then you have another guy that you can throw out there. Dalvin Cook, to me, has zero leverage. And if Minnesota pays him a huge contract, they're morons. The only way he might have leverage is if they start the season and go 0-3 and start thinking that he's going to be the answer to all their problems, which they play Packers, then they have Colts, then they have the Titans. So that could be a tough stretch to start out. But Dalvin Cook, if he thinks he has the kind of leverage, look at Le'Veon Bell ended up having to sit out a season yeah. and it didn't work out. And, for him. and he had been a heck of a lot more dynamic of a player Tigers. for a longer amount of time. Ezekiel Elliott held out and, you know, managed to get it right before the beginning of the season. Uh, But he's another guy who's had a heck of a lot more of a track record of success in his time. Dalvin Cook was a gamble last year because you didn't know if he could stay healthy, and he didn't end up being able to complete a full season. He still only was able to play 14 games. So I don't think he has the leverage he thinks he has.
1: I agree with you on the leverage part. I, I never yeah. said he had leverage. I just – I don't – you obviously, with, with your the Broncos' history and everything, you you obviously know the way that Kubiak is. The one thing I'll argue is I do think that Minnesota is is more in their window right now. I think that's why they re-upped Kirk Cousins. That's why they kind of went more offense. They're trying to, just trying to figure out their defense. They're in that window. And you're right. Maybe Kubiak thinks that, Hey, my, my system is the star or whatever. You're not winning games with Royce Freeman at running back. And I don't think Gary Kubiak is that conceited or full of himself to think that you still need to have a good running back. Now, maybe that is Alexander Madison. Maybe they truly believe in him. I don't know. For, I me, give it to Fox.
4: for Fox, for Fox Fox's, I mean, Freeman is still a free agent and Freeman yeah. is sim- I mean, that's, Fox Devante threw a curveball at me. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. well,
5: see, here's I the mean, thing. I mean, who know. else could? I mean, there's a bunch of other. You know,
4: I don't think there's a bunch backs of other they
1: could trade for. There's
4: not a bunch of other. Fournette. I mean, he's available.
1: You're giving up, up draft capital as well on a team that might. I mean, I, I. don't know. I. I just. I would say. Okay, what would you cap it at, then, Matt? Because you seem to be the most pessimistic out of all of us on on. I'm not saying that they're going to break the market for Dalvin Cook, but what would you say – There's an uh, they get a deal done. They figure out What's a way. I'm the not
3: reasonable not Haven't they What's already the offered reasonable? him 10 and he said he wanted 13. 13? Thirteen. Yeah, I think 13 is reasonable.
5: They've made some right. overtures. Right. That's why yeah. so at some point in time – They're not that far apart. I don't know. At some
3: point in time, I take the we'll win without you. Well, anyways, uh, so and I could so see – I, I think – what, what Devonte Freeman was asking for from Tampa I think was four million no they offered him four
5: million and he didn't yeah, want to he take that no. is it oh, so okay. you don't know where where he exactly is but my guess would be somewhere in the six seven range and okay you look
1: so at, let me I ask think you he
3: certainly guy. think he's half as good as Dalvin
5: oh, cook. Uh,
1: i'm sure well every player's got to think they're the best right or half as good as somebody if you could get a one-year deal out of devonta freeman or again I- i'm not going to say cap friendly but not it's not going to break the bank signing dalvin cook and say a, th- a three-year extension which are you taking
5: well i mean how much if they offer it- dalvin cook 10 million a year and he said no then i'm I'm moving on.
1: Well, he said the the report that I saw. I think it was by Roto World. Was he was asking between 11 and 13 million? That, that's Giving not those record.
5: kind of contracts for running backs in the recent history has been a terrible idea.
1: Yes, especially and,
5: someone who already has a checkered injury history.
4: I don't argue with that. So here's my question for you, Fox. I agree with you. I really do agree with you. Ezekiel Elliott's a perfect example. The man got paid, and a bunch of running backs on their rookie contracts outperformed him. I mean, I totally – we saw Todd Gurley. Now here's Ezekiel Elliott. So here's my question to you, Fox. What do you think we can do? Because I think we all agree that a a running back's most productive years are those early years, that one, two, three. Those early years on that rookie deal. What can we do for, for running backs to make the deal more fair? Because they ask for this money. They hold out. Wide receivers don't hold out. Quarterbacks, I've never seen a quarterback hold out. I mean, because they're getting they're getting compensated. At, is there any idea that you have that we can? You get compensated
5: in the NFL on your rookie deal based on your draft position, and the fact that running back is such a disposable position is but why you're not alone. seeing them go high. There's
4: no, there's no negotiation. It's an arms length arms length conversation I mean there's those rookie running backs as great as they are Ezekiel Elliott Christian McCaffrey uh, I mean just recently like they have no negotiating power out of the rookie out of the draft is there anything that can be done to give those elite running backs that we know are going to be given 20 to 25 touches a game I mean is there any way to compensate them moving forward I'm asking you to make up rules to make up contract situations for rookies Is that, is is that, I mean,
5: if you're, if you're asking me, I don't agree with you, so I don't see a problem. I'm not working to solve a problem.
3: I don't think exists.
4: Okay. I'm cool with
5: that. I'm cool. I think
3: with, with rookie running back contracts. So there's a rule in the NFL that if you're so grossly underpaid at the end of the season, and typically it's a late round draft pick or undrafted free agent, after the season, the NFLPA, there's some rule in there where they're, you're allowed to get additional compensation based on that previous season. I, I, I get the, well, you can't really do something super special for running backs, but I also understand that you can't, as a running back, you're not likely to get that second contract. So there has to be somewhere in the middle of that that says, well, we understand. So you were making eight hundred thousand. You played really well. We're going to give you one and a half million instead. Whereas a normal running back playing at an elite level is worth seven or eight or ten or twelve million. But you run them for three hundred carries for the first four years of their rookie contract, and now nobody will give them the second contract. So they're not going to get that thirty right. or forty million dollar payday. Right. Where's the so, middle ground? That's yeah,
5: what
3: yeah. I think now the only leverage they have is to say, I'm gonna sit out.
4: That's it. that's all that's it. That's why i like I don't love the idea of Dalvin cook not playing, but I get it. I understand i mean if he plays they're gonna run him twenty five times a game. I mean,
3: I roster Cook in one league and about three weeks ago or four weeks ago, I offered Raheem mostert and a third for. Alexander Madison and a second, which I thought was a fair deal. It was rejected without comment. I would have rejected it.
5: (laughs) But without comment, everybody thinks Alexander Madison right now has this. It's the same way, like. But this was well. This was weeks before the Cook holdout. Ooh, even worse. Well, that's probably somebody that doesn't think Alvin Cook can stay on the field.
1: I don't know. I feel like I I disagree firmly with with uh, with Matt on the running back thing. The one thing I'll say Tony is I don't think there's any anything they can do because didn't they just be I could be wrong, but weren't uh, didn't they just to agree to like new CBA terms here recently?
3: Yeah, that, that was just passed. Yeah. It's a yeah,
1: it so new year deal. That
3: doesn't affect the existing Stuff
1: right, but like, so uh, what I was thinking of is maybe there's a way for them to put something in there where running backs say there was a discussion, I think I want to say it was on NFL Network on Sirius XM. Um, uh, I want to say that's where LeDandy and Tomlinson's at. I, I don't remember, I know LT was talking about it, and one of his things was maybe it's something where when a running back comes out, they only get like a three year deal in yeah. the first round so that they get a chance yeah. to then kind of kick the bucket or kick the three can a second time because you're yeah. still getting. You're still going to get those prime years afterwards, right? Like, like with Todd Gurley. I mean, yeah, he's still. I, Go ahead.
4: I love it. Go ahead. Go ahead. Come on. That
1: screwed him. It was not the workload. Like people want to keep talking about all the workload. No, no. He had the knee injury, and you can't directly say that was because of his the workload. We've seen other running backs who have had workloads that have not broken down, and we've seen it in the past. Look at LaShawn McCoy. LaShawn McCoy got multiple contracts. He was still good. Are we all saying that now CMC is going to come into 2020 and be a shitty running back? No. Oh, but, but because he got paid, he's a shitty running back now. Like, no. Zeke, yes. He had a bad year. Zeke I would almost think that. I mean,
5: he didn't, he, even had even had had had. he didn't even have well, a terrible year. He didn't even have a terrible year. You're right. Like, You're everybody right. said he has a bad year. He ran year, for right? almost 1,400 yards oh, and Jesus. had twice Every- as many touchdowns as the uh, year before. It's it's the saying the you don't want to pay That running
1: backs suck after they get paid. Todd Gurley was not horrible after he got paid. He got hurt. Now, Is, Le'Veon Bell, can you even blame that on Le'Veon Bell? He plays for probably the worst coach in the NFL right now. Yeah, now
5: but he's proof positive that the, the holdout thing and thinking that, that that's going to work out for you. A hundred percent doesn't. He ended up going somewhere that was a much worse fit. And now two one year removed from signing that contract, you know, he just makes me feel a well of sadness and he ended up having to take less money per year on yeah. the contract than he would have gotten on the franchise tag that he passed on. I but agree. my yeah. problem with what you guys are talking about is I don't think I think it's fundamentally unfair to lift one position up above others. Especially th- a position that has proven time and again to be more disposable
1: Agree with you on that, but there are guys who aren't. That's my argument.
5: But the, and, so, and those guys, actually, I I had a different opinion when we talked about Ezekiel Elliott last year. He had proven his worth to his team. I thought he right. actually had leverage, and that's what ended up getting him a deal.
1: Okay, so then that's where our disagreement is because while Cook Cook's injury is my biggest thing, I agree with you on that, but I think when he's on the field, he's proved... The Vikings but do not make the playoffs without Dalvin Cook. I'd
5: take the, I, you know, they barely made it anyway. I would, ta- made I it. would take this it same position.
3: Barely, I
5: would take this same position if you told me Derrick Henry was holding out because well, Derek while Henry's we've seen great. certainly yeah. no, <laughs> right. Derrick yeah. Henry That's was a more productive great. running back and actually carried his team further in the playoffs, he had yeah. them within a stone's throw of. The Super Bowl and carried them past the New England Patriots and carried them Trash. over the corpse of MVP Lamar Jackson Trash. last year. So, no. if you, what yeah. I'm saying is, he had shown flashes previous and then he had one great year. If he tells me he's holding out for all time money, I'm like, good luck, friend. You got your franchise tag, you can eat it. Same with Dalvin Cook. Prior to last year, you know, if we were talking about this a year ago at this time that he was holding out for ten million dollars, we would have all been having a good chuckle for thirty minutes. For Dalvin yeah, Cook, that have been
1: last yeah. year though, it's no. a different year. What he $10 did, ten million last
4: dollars year. on Dalvin Cook is a bargain. I d- I just I won't I won't secede that ten million dollars a year for Dalvin Cook is a bargain. I mean, the the, the kid is a is a, a three down back. I mean, yeah, he has injury issues, but. 34% of of Minnesota's passing attempts are play action, and that's because Dalvin Cook is present. I mean, that kid can run the football. He's he's different. He's a separate level of talent. And I, I, I get you, Matt, that the risk isn't worth the reward. There's somewhere like – I'm not pretending that we should just go pay Dalvin Cook anything that he wants. I'm not pretending. I guess that.
5: I don't agree that he's a different level of talent either. So – Okay. Like we we don't see the player the same. Yeah, then we disagree. That's okay. I'm okay with that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm i with you on that part of it, Tony. I mean, again, he, you talk about how Derrick Henry was just – I mean, granted, I, I'm looking at it fantasy-wise. He, he only outscored him by like 20 points, and Dalvin Cook missed two games. So I, right. I don't – Derrick Henry – don't let his receiving stats last year fool you and him being a good receiving back. He's not. He is not a good receiving back. Dalvin Cook, as Tony mentioned, can do it all. I agree that if you can find a happy medium, I'm not saying paying him Zeke money or CMC money. I agree. He doesn't deserve that. I agree but with you. If the season comes around and they're like, hey, wh- whatever. You know, you wanted 11 to 13. We were offered you to 10. We're going to give you ten five for the next couple of years. I don't think that's an overpay for a back that if he stays healthy, and I understand that's a big if, if he's able to stay on the field for 16 games the next three years in a row, you're looking at a guy who's going to be the leader of that offense. Because as Matt, you love to point out, and I'm only conceding this in this argument because I want to win the Dalvin Cook argument, (laughs) they can't rely on Kirk Cousins. They have to rely on somebody else, which means it's Dalvin Cook.
5: I mean, if you think he's staying you're on the muted. field, Dennis is muted. You actually yeah. are muted this time, not just.
3: Uh... Yeah, you're actually <laughs> muted, not just. We can't hear you. All right, muted. let's let's play some either or. Yeah, right, Dennis, help be. us, please, so, please help us. Dalvin Cook or Joe Mixon.
1: Joe Mixon for me. I think Joe Mixon's the better runner. I go Joe Mixon.
4: I took Dalvin Cook.
1: What about you, Fox? I would never take Joe Mixon for anything
5: <laughs> other than a prison oh, yeah, lineup. Right. So.
3: Okay. So Dalvin Cook. No, so two no, po- one two.
5: No, no
3: point in answering that question. Uh, Dalvin Cook or Nick Chubb? Dalvin Chubb.
1: Cook. Oh, you cut to the heart, Nick Chubb. I got to do it. I got to do it.
3: Cook or Derek Henry? Cook. Cook. Henry. Cook or Eckler?
1: Cook. Cook.
3: Cook or Aaron Jones? Cook. I would take Aaron Jones. Cook.
4: Fox hates Cook. That's what we're Drake? learning right
5: now. Fox hates Cook. Oh, Cook. No, I, think, I think he's fine, and he's in a great system for himself, but it, if you're asking a preference, I, I wouldn't draft him. I never have. I mean, I have so any- the
3: argument you're making is, is that I just won't pay. I, I just don't think we should pay him. And the other side of the argument is, but he's in the perfect system for what he does, and he's going to clearly get the volume and produce. A- and your argument is just but he gets injured so I just can't and and at some point you have to just say do I want to take the chance on the guy that I know is going to produce at the higher level and hope he doesn't get injured I mean there's a reason Will Fuller keeps getting drafted and you know he's he he's going to I think so I think this wait, is Fuller's year and wait, I fucking hate if- Fuller
5: if you're, t- I, I assumed you were asking questions based on an NFL standpoint and not a fantasy standpoint. If he's well, in the Minnesota, I already, we've already talked about it. He's probably a top four running back. Personally, I don't see him as a special player the way Tony does. I think he's more of a product of the system than you are, but that's partially based on the fact that for 30-plus years – I watched that system in place and watched people like Mike Anderson come out of nowhere and have 1,000 yards. I'm not sold that Dalvin Cook is something special. If he was in Minnesota, because of the opportunity and because of the system, if you're talking about from a fantasy perspective, I have no problem drafting him. But if I'm an NFL GM, I'm not paying him $10 million. All
3: right, so let me ask you this. Mike Anderson or Terrell Davis. Davis. But there it's the same system though. Why take the more expensive guy? Davis
5: Davis I, I Cuz he's fucking better. Just,
3: That's why. I would he disagree is with better you completely.
5: <laughs> okay, so let me ask you, Davis.
1: Let me let me ask you one question then, Matt, because you're you're very much on the uh the system thing with Gary Kubiak. Gary Kubiak wasn't his coach in 2017 when he was a rookie. When he exploded onto the scene, he was by far the best rookie running back until he got hurt. So, how can you say that it's because of the system? I don't even remember who the offensive coordinator was, but it wasn't him. I was trying to, it was Pat Shermer, who was known to be more of a pass friendly uh, offensive coordinator than a run heavy coordinator. So, he looked good as his rookie season before he tore his ACL as an explosive weapon out of the backfield. Wasn't with Gary Kubiak. No ties to Gary Kubiak whatsoever at that point. So how can you say that it's just the Gary Kubiak system? That's my question.
5: I mean, you're you're asking if I, I think I saw brilliance in a four game sample size. I'm going to pull his game logs right now. He had one game where he had 22 carries for 127 yards. Okay. He had two games where he amassed 60 yards in a game, and he had one game where he had 97 yards on 27 carries. So fact, behind the possibly the
1: worst that, offensive line back then, the I, I Fox
4: pulled see. all of that data in front of him that fast makes me not want to fuck with him. Like, I don't want to fuck with you, like, Fox.
5: I mean, you're talking about he, he managed to go for 127 yards on 22 carries against New Orleans, who I love New Orleans for a lot of reasons, but not because of their defensive prowess. Sure. And then he managed to get 97 yards on 27 carries against Tampa Bay. He managed to get 66 yards against Detroit. He managed to get 64 yards against Pittsburgh. They went two and two in that time. I mean, he was fine, but are you telling me that that four game sample size with that uneven level of production uh, makes me think he's Gale Sayers? It does not.
1: I never said he's was Gale Sayers, but he is a different running back. He is above average he's more than above average you're talking about him like he's just a just a, a little cherry on the top here you. you're talking about him like he's melvin gordon in denver right now he's above that he is a better than average on, running back well that's because matt, matt fox hates melvin gordon that's why i no, no.
4: that volunteer him as as though he's marlon mack in indianapolis i mean
1: oh, he's. Oh. Uh, okay. <laughs> <I mean, laughs> <laughs> that was a great <laughs> one for
5: matt Hey, come I mean, on! Defend what, Marlon Mack, that like, I'm not Marlon. defending Marlon Mack. Marlon yeah. Mack sucks.
1: That's my point. I'll, no, he hey, just hey, said hey, he's hey, Marlon hey, Mack.
5: Hey. In Knock
4: it off! Knock it off! Marlon Marlon with the Marlon Mack stuff. Knock it off! Marlon Mack is off. not
1: good. You want you but want that, someone to come on here and praise Marlon Mack? Go to this guy right below him. No. We'll
4: about that, that later. That's why that's
1: they drafted Jonathan Taylor.
4: But that's the point. That's the point. Dalvin Cook what? deserves a contract. That's that's the point of all this, is Dalvin Cook yeah. deserves a contract. I don't know what that contract means. Does he deserve $20 million a year? No, no. No running back deserves $20 million a year, and we're learning that from Ezekiel Elliott. We learned that from Todd Gurley. Did I hurt your ears? I'm sorry. I got excited.
1: No, no, I was scratching my ear. I said St. Paul I, yeah, I
4: saw you pour that way.
1: Oh, no, I was just scratching my ear.
4: But but Dalvin Cook is a focal point. He is the focal point of Minnesota's offense. I mean, he is the guy. They're paying. Listen, if I'm Dalvin Cook and Kirk Cousins is getting paid thirty million dollars a year, I want paid. That's all I'm saying. I want paid for my twenty five for my twenty five rushes a game or twenty five touches a game. I'm That's just the saying.
5: only semi compelling argument you've made because if you were <laughs> com- if you were comparing <laughs> him to uh, to Kirk Cousins' contract.
0: I'm thank not, you, thank I'm you. you for I
5: mean, Kirk Dalvin Cook
4: is paying attention to Kirk Cousins' contract. That's another ripple in this whole thing, and that dude's getting paid way too much money, and it's not running through Dalvin.
5: Kirk Cousins hey, you
1: worth what someone's willing to pay you. Just saying.
5: Oh, I, guess, I I mean, guess. that's the way it goes. But and that's you know,
1: and that's the way it goes
5: in the life of running backs. Yeah, exactly. Running, that is running back is not <laughs> a position that we've seen over the long term that's been worth sinking that kind of money into. If you want to, I get it. I get it. I agree. I
1: agree. Uh, And the other thing
5: that, the other thing that I'm going to say in Minnesota's defense right now is universally there is a belief that the salary cap is going to come way down next week, yeah, next year, definitely. because it's based on revenue. If they think that the salary cap's coming down $30 million next year, and they're looking at the contracts that they already have in place that they have to carry, do they want to sink themselves into a commitment of 10 to $12 million a year for a running back who he could be great? Or let's all be honest, he could play four games.
1: True. I, I you know
5: I don't wish him injury bad injury luck. You know I hope he stays healthy. I hope you know he's he's been fun to watch in their system. It's fine. To me, it's not worth the gamble given the climate of football and trying to win as a team long term. If I'm a general manager, I can't be thinking about how I feel about a, one guy. I'm thinking about my team and I'm thinking about
1: next year and the year after. And that's why when you, you don't exactly- you get screwed you do exactly like these teams are doing with the, with the ability to get out of these deals. You, you either front load it or you do something where you only take a couple, a little bit of a cap hit like Atlanta did with Devonta Freeman and you get out of it. Therefore you're doing exactly what you're talking about. You're getting the future, but you're also playing or you're doing it for the now, but you're planning for the future. I'm not telling you to guarantee him like they did Kirk cousins, $11 million a year. You front load it this year. Say, Hey, we'll give you $11 million this year. And if, if you prove yeah. you can stay healthy these 16 games, then we'll continue on with your contract of whatever we agree to pay you. If you don't, guess what? You're gone. We'll draft a running back next year. That's why I think we're we're all saying the same thing, just going about it different ways. None of us think he deserves to be paid as an elite running back. I, I'm not saying that. I don't think Tony's saying that. We know that you're not saying that, Matt. I just think he deserves to be paid better than the average and due to yeah. his level of production. Because while, again, the injury is the biggest question here. I, I I don't think anybody can question his talent. He is a talented running back. He may not be the best. He's better than average. He he falls in between the Zeke to Marlon Mack level, and he's definitely above Marlon Mack. Sorry, Toby. Marlon. Hey, hey,
4: hey, 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 hey.
1: <laughs> so that that's this is my why thing. Tony but, uh, took
5: a couple of months off of hanging out with exactly, us. exactly yeah he yeah, hated right. it I couldn't I take that anymore let's not He's let's
1: spend 30 more minutes arguing about Dalvin Cook though um Matt you brought up a very interesting thing and Tony's crying so we'll we'll we'll, we'll move past that here I'll, I'll not oh
5: off. come on Poor <laughs> I'm
1: <laughs> fine I'm
4: uh,
5: fine
1: the preseason. Uh, there was a lot of talk uh, yesterday, and I heard a lot of it today as well, that it may drop down to just two games with training camp starting in July. That is a lot of time taken away from these players to get ready. Matt, you kind of brought that up. So what was it that you wanted to talk about with that With that kind of going on right now with the NFL? Well,
5: I think there's a couple of things. You know, there's been a lot of long-term talk. Can we – Get away with the shortened preseason, be obviously because of the extenuating circumstances this year. If they're able to drop it down to two games, it's kind of like a free experiment for them to see how it goes. My my thoughts have always been a, a couple of things. You know, you can't find some of those diamonds in the rough if you don't have a couple of these preseason games where end of the roster guys get to go out and you see something. You know, I know Matt, you you and I both share love for Philip Lindsay. If he hadn't gotten to ball out in the preseason, I don't know how close he would have been to making that roster. The other thing that's specific to this year, uh, you know, that I think you also have to start thinking about in terms of guys that change teams to fundamentally different systems and the rookies that are coming in, they did not get the offseason. That normally you get. We didn't get the rookie mini camp. Uh, those first year head coaches usually get an extra mini camp where they can pull their players in. That didn't happen. We didn't get the OTAs in June. Now they aren't doing any early July work. They're probably not coming back until training camp starts at the end of July. So they don't have as much time in their practicing and learning things. And if you're removing games, you're also removing a lot of game reps from these guys. So players that have a lot of talent or that we think went to a good situation for fantasy purposes might have real slow starts or might have stunted seasons this year because they just don't have enough time to get into the flow I mean look at your your team uh, you know obj by the end of the season he seemed to have a lot better chemistry in that offense than he did at the beginning and he had the benefit of being a veteran NFL player who also got to go through a normal offseason. You know, we've seen in the past couple of years, teams that elected not to play any of their starters, including new players during the preseason, have a real rough start to uh, the regular season. I just think that's going to be something that'll be interesting uh, to watch because when you eliminate all these things, usually the first preseason game of the year for all the teams is almost abhorrent to watch at times because, you know, they're barely using any of the playbook. They don't always look like they know what they're doing. By the time you get to the third one, they're trying to do a regular season preview, and then you see some guys getting some energy. I think it's going to be a really different situation. They also don't have the, the NFL band this uh, training camp season where the, the teams have joint practices. And that had been a big thing that was also a great way for even if you're not getting game reps, you're getting reps against other teams, you're getting to build yourself up. So that all these kind of things that we've typically seen that have enabled guys to get into the flow and to get ready for a season have all been truncated. And it's going to be interesting to see you know, what are those September games going to be like. Is it going to be like some early AAF football games where you're, you're sitting there going... This is not what I was expecting to see.
4: Yeah, I'm with you there, Matt. That 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 the corona You didn't say it. These are not your words; they're my words. But <clears throat> the current situation makes it more difficult. So maybe I'm and I'm giving my own opinion with parts of yours in there. The current situation makes it more difficult. I do think that in the long run, in 2021, two preseason games. Two preseason games is not that bad. I think. I, Right now, we need the games. Right now, we need the practice. We need all the time we can get because we're so limited in time. But moving forward in a normal world, I don't think that it's that bad. I think it's good. I think it's good because it's extra wear. You're right. We need time to see those stars burst onto the scene. Alvin Kamara, and I mean, if we're talking about fantasy football, Alvin Kamara went undrafted in my home league. I mean – Totally did not get drafted. He was a waiver. He was the first waiver wire pickup in a startup league. It was my home league. That's a good example of a guy who burst onto the scene in preseason. So I agree with you. This year is a little bit different, but I'm not, I, I agree with you 100%. It's just this one caveat is that this year is a little bit different.
5: I still think the sweet spot for preseason probably is three. You know, yeah, for, I agree. Four is probably too many. And next year there there is when we get the additional regular season game. You know, we yeah, we get the extra playoff team this yeah. year, but they aren't lengthening the season. In twenty twenty, I think when you're when you're talking about lengthening the season, it makes sense that you'd wheel at least one off. I just wonder about two. You know, if we're still going to have ninety man preseason rosters that cut down to fifty three or fifty five, and you only have Eight quarters to try to get rookies integrated in, try to get people that you've signed as free agents integrated into playing time, and try to figure out if any of the people from roster spot forty-five to ninety is worth being on your team. Yeah. That's where I, I I feel a little bit bad. I guess my heart goes out to those guys that are really just scrapping to make a team. Uh, you know, one of the proud things for for Denver that I've always loved is. They have an incredible track record of always bringing in an undrafted free agent. You know, Chris Harris Jr. was an undrafted free agent that they found in the preseason process. Shaq Barrett was an undrafted free agent we found in the preseason process. C.J. Anderson, who, you know, you guys may have various opinions. I always loved his heart, and you know, we don't win Super Bowl Fifty without him. I just think those are some guys that maybe don't get the chance.
1: The one thing, I, I, the reason I say I think they will is because there's still all that talk about them doing the, with them limiting the preseason games, going to like those split practices or the team practices where they get together. I think that they'll use those more as like scrimmages and games to kind of help prepare each other because you're not just running against your same team. And there was even talks about them possibly uh, like putting some of those practices live when it's like like if the Patriots and Texans get together like they did a couple of years ago and doing that. So I I, I would think that they'll use those practices maybe for your starters and then hopefully the preseason games for those fringe guys like you were just talking about to see, hey, are any of these guys worth keeping around or vice versa? But I I do think – I kind of agree with you, Matt. I think three is kind of the sweet spot because you can still keep the – Keep the method that they've used the past couple of years where, hey, the first game, you guys get like a drive or two. Second game, you know, a little bit longer than that. Third game, you usually see the starters out there a lot longer. And then we never see anybody playing the fourth game. It's those guys that you were just talking about. But for us, mostly, we're not watching them. Us, we are, because we're football diehards. But other people like, I'm not watching this because it's, it's bad football or whatever. So we like watching those games. Uh, I do think that 3 is probably the perfect number, but I, I wouldn't be upset if they went down to 2 like Tony was talking about because I think they're going to get all that work in those uh, joint practices as well. Dennis, you've been really quiet down there. You got anything to say? Still no, stunned. My about it. My, uh, my
3: dog came in. He recently had ear surgery and I think he just had his meds and he's been snoring, so <laughs> <laughs>
1: I, nothing wrong with that. Hey, I'm you
5: know, he to, wouldn't be the first one to snore through a talk about preseason. Although, given the current state of sports, given the current state of sports, I would give anything to watch a uh, fourth-week preseason game right now.
4: Yes! Yes!
1: Yeah.
4: Yes! You're absolutely right. Yes.
1: All there for that. All right, so my question that would be twofold. Teams like the—I'm trying to think of of who else outside of the Saints. The Saints, the Rams— Who else? The Chiefs, Seattle. Trying to think of who else in the AFC, the fucking Ravens, the Ravens. (laughs) Those guys, I think all now with the way that we just talked about this preseason going, come in now with an inherent advantage because their systems are in place. All of these guys, they have most of their teams returning, quarterbacks returning, offensive coordinators. But what about a guy like Tom Brady? Because while he's a veteran, he's been through it all. And we've heard Bruce Arians say that he's kind of making his uh, uh, his system kind of built around Tom Brady, but it's still a new system with new teammates and new everything. No. So do you think no. it's going to hurt Brady or because no. he's just a goat, he's going to be fine? No. Tony, no. You go ahead. Tony. No.
4: no, Tom Brady's the goat. And listen, I hate to say this. I'm a cold Did you fan. mute that guy? It makes me want yeah, to throw up.
1: I can up. just kick him off really quick. Am I,
4: can you hear me? Hello? Can yeah, you hear yeah. me? <laughs> I know. I know. Tom Bra- Listen, here's the reality. Tom Brady's a GOAT. I don't like to admit it. I'm a Colts fan. But they're talking about doing a 12-man set. I mean, yeah. give them two tight ends, there's, run- there's plenty of running backs to cycle through. Fi- they'll find a running back that works, whether it's Jones or Vaughn. I don't know. I think it's going to be Jones, by the way, but that's not the point.
5: Speaking of which, I have to humbly admit that I actually drafted Ronald Jones in a Dynasty League today. I feel I like I've it. spent too much time with Matt. I'm drafting Baker Mayfield. I'm drafting Ronald Jones. Yeah, I don't even I'm know who now. I am anymore.
3: I drafted Jones in the listener Dynasty League without hesitation.
4: Think about a time in the past. Think about the last time that Tom Brady has had that offense available to him. I mean, think about it. Come on. Huh? Mike Evans? Chris Godwin? OJ
1: Howard, Rep well, Gonkowski. I mean, uh, we OJ Howard doesn't deserve to be put in that sentence, yeah. sir.
4: We were talking about we were talking about OJ Howard being a supreme breakout tight end in fantasy football but last year. Who I was mean,
3: talking about? I was, yeah. That must yeah. have been your show. Yeah. Oh,
4: okay.
3: It was not my <laughs> Let's be yeah, careful actual. about who we're my lumping article, in here.
4: My article on Dynasty Nerds said how he wouldn't be. But the let's talent,
1: keep that in that down corner there about OJ Howard breaking out.
4: Howard, but the talent's there i wrote the article that said it wouldn't happen because yeah. of the because of the system but now if they're talking about moving to 12-man personnel i mean come on guys tom brady's running the show now this is not Jameis winston this is not yeah. bruce arians i mean tom brady's running the show and there has and well, it's been it's already been proven they're running a 12-man personnel they got two tight ends running with chris godwin mike evans and there's a there's a white listen there's a white guy in the slot what's his name No, they're going to put Justin
5: Watson. Yes, Taylor Johnson isn't white. Scotty Miller,
4: Scotty Miller. That's who I was thinking of. I mean, they've got everything they need for Tom Brady to have his offense. I mean, it's Tom Brady's offense. What was the question? I forgot the
5: question. See, I'm kind of with you. Like new year, new
1: offense.
5: I'm with you a little bit in that if we were talking about veteran, uh, you know, offseason moves who might be impacted by this. I wouldn't necessarily target veteran quarterbacks like Brady or Rivers. You know, Rivers, it's going to be a system he's familiar with. Brady, they're doing things around him. Plus, the quarterback has the ball in his hands all the time and has a mastery of the of the playbook usually that right. other people don't have. If you're talking about free agents that we think might pop that maybe will have a slow start because of this, I think about somebody like Emmanuel Sanders who – The complexities of the New Orleans system and not having time building rapport with Drew Brees and also probably never having met Drew Brees in person and throwing him under the bus on on Twitter uh, last week, you know, those kind of things might set... Uh, you know, might set them back, but, you know, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, trying to learn a system and learn chemistry with a quarterback, I think is going to be more of a struggle than some of those veteran quarterbacks uh, that are changing teams because you know, everything runs through the quarterback. It's not like they have to wonder if they're going to get a snap.
1: Yeah, it's, it's definitely going to be interesting. I also think it hurts teams like my guys back here in the Browns, a new system, new head coach, new everything,
5: yeah, that, and those are the ones that, because typically when you get a new head coach, you get an extra mini camp just because you have a first year head coach. Yeah. And we didn't get any mini camps, So, like Cleveland, uh, Carolina, you know, everybody's excited. I know you're excited about Matt Rule. I was listening to the NFL Serious Radio the other day, and he said he's only met like 10 of his players on his 90 man roster. He's only met 10 of them. And I'm like, Damn, that's harsh. Like, that's not good. I hope he meets them all when training camp starts. But that's how good. do you, yeah. you know, guys? And he, he's he's been a, a good head coach somewhere, but not at the. He hasn't been an NFL head coach, so it's a, even a brand new experience. Whereas, you know, some of some of the retread head coaches that got hired a new place, like Mike McCarthy, will probably have an easier time not having an offseason season. Than Matt Rule or Joe Judge or Stefanski, who are getting to step into that role the first time, it's going to be an interesting year, I think, from that respect. And I think that's why you've seen player values all over the board uh, from people, because sometimes we're not. Somebody pointed out on uh, radio. Because you don't have these rookie mini camps or these mini camps or guys doing OTAs, you're not even getting that kind of flood of rumors about what guys look at look like. You're basically jumping on any uh, you know, self-filmed workout that pops up on Twitter. Like I saw today they showed Jerry Duty running cones in a park and people are like, Oh, he's just ready. He's gonna tear the NFL up and it's like He's running around cones in a park, guys. Let's, <laughs> let's 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 hold our
1: optimism. I don't think he's the about game is to put changing, up Two thousand yards, yeah. Like Ronald Jones, uh, body catch there uh, and whatever a good body catch.
4: Hey, I love that body
1: catch. I mean, I'd rather him catch it with his hands. Not I would him. rather that.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I would
1: rather that. You guys have anything else, or you guys want to? You guys want to wrap it up? This is mostly supposed to be about about old Archie there. So anything Love else? Wrap it up.
4: Yeah, I'm ready to go. I appreciate you guys. Thank you for yeah. having me again.
1: Absolutely, everybody, check it. We'll be back on Monday with the rest of the NFC East Giants and Washington. We'll look forward to talking to you guys then. Everybody, have a good weekend.
3: Right on. Hi guys. Prepare.
0: For glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn on ready. Do you got your pop on ready? I came like out the line already. And he's in the end zone
4: for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw
2: it up above his head. They can't jump with me, guys. Only. Only tackle with the forty Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I can. <laughs> <laughs>